You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from HealthNetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? HealthNetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. HealthNetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at HealthNetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's up, universe? Jose Young's here with MAFighting.com, bringing you another episode of the A-Side. I know last week we did it live because we were in Las Vegas. Uh, Anthony Walker of SureDog joined me, and I've heard, I've seen your tweets, I've seen your messages, I've seen all that, and if you're wondering why the audio didn't go up onto iTunes and Spreaker and all that, it's because the audio is a little wonky. Uh, we didn't have enough time to fix it because UFC 239 fight week was chaos. So I really, I sincerely apologize to that, uh, that we weren't able to get the audio up and it, it was a little wonky on the, the stream, but Esther had this cool little camera effect uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I hope we use that again, moving forward where we could cut back and forth to her asking the questions and us responding to the questions. Uh, I, I really like that. I think a lot of you guys like that, but the audio is a little wonky, and I, I apologize for not getting that up on iTunes. But we're back to our normal format. Uh, sitting opposite me, all the way across the pond, it looks it looks like he may have gotten a haircut since the I last did. time he was on. Pizza Carroll, the Woo-hoo! fans demanded it, and you're back. I'm ready. I'm ready for all you animals in the, in the comments section. I don't want you to be gentle. I want the hard and aggressive. Wow, don't give them ideas, man. A lot of our audience. I look at Roof, you know me, Jose. I look at Roof, man. Oh, God. Well, it's one of those podcasts now, guys. But we're going to get right into the questions right away because I see the very first question is asking about the audio. And I just said, as I just said, the audio last week was a little wonky because we were trying something new. uh, Because I think it was Michael Scott that said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. uh, And we were trying something new. So I, I enjoyed it. I think a lot of you guys enjoyed how it looked. I just, the audio was a little, a little off and it was a work in progress, but we'll get that squared away. And I know for a fact, this audio is good because I can see the levels. Uh, but that's how dare story. you try something new? How dare you? Hey, how man. dare you? Hey man, this is MMA evolve. But we're <laughs> going we're gonna to move right along from our friend, Ted bear. In light of John Jones' last fight, let's say jo- John Jones experiences his first true loss. How does he lose, Pizzi? A, being outclassed in every part of the game. B, trying to fight to his opponent's strength. C, he gets old and slow. Or D, he goes to heavyweight and is KO'd after nearly finishing Derek Lewis. I think B, C, and D are all options. Based on uh, last weekend, I felt like a lot of people, like the boos and stuff, I didn't agree with that. I thought it was a very tense fight. 
but I do when you listen to what he said in the post fight press conference, which you attended, of course, Jose, mm -hmm. it seems very it seems to me that he is literally he's fighting inside the opponent's wheelhouse all the time. Like I can remember this as as far back as uh, Glover Teixeira. And I think when he is doing that, he's he's kind of he's not allowing himself to wrestle and he's a brilliant wrestler. And, um, you know, to just strike with Thiago Santos is nearly an arrogance thing for me. And I feel like that's a possibility. I feel like um, going up to heavyweight and uh, fighting there could be a bit of a problem as well, just based on how he gets on against bigger guys in general. And I can't remember what C was, but I agreed with that too. Uh, he gets old and slow. Yeah, it happens to us all, man. Look at me. Look at me, man. Look at this <laughs> fucking face. <laughs> Well, I'll say I was at the, as you said, I was at the post fight press conference and he did say he was, uh, it was, a uh, an ego thing where he, he, he really wanted to stand and strike with Tiago Santos. Uh, and like you said, he fought Glover to share like that. He got right in his face, uh, like dirty boxing the whole time. He wrestled Chael Sonnen. Uh, he bought, he tried to box up Alexander Gustafson. Uh, he, he, he obviously, he rest, he took Daniel Cormier down famously. Uh, he, he, he really wanted to prove that he could wrestle with a former Olympic captain. But I agree. I think the biggest one is going to be he gets old. But one thing, one option they didn't lay out, which we almost saw on Saturday, was a close decision, like a controversial decision. I think that's the most likely. Uh, and I only say, and I, I I looked at the questions quickly, and I know we're going to get asked about this. Uh, so I'll save it for later. But a lot of people scored that fight for Tiago Santos. And John Jones said he was confident. Uh, Brandon Gibson, his striking coach, uh, gave an interview to our site that he was confident. But we've seen fighters be confident going into scorecards and not having it go their favor. Uh, he he, If you saw, he raised his hand before the scores were even read. But I saw, I was doing the, the post-fight show, and I was looking at the comments, and a lot of fans scored it for Tiago Santos. So I think if... Out of all those scenarios, I think the biggest one of him losing is the one he, they didn't even lay out, and that's controversial close decision. And he's been on the good side of a couple of them, you know what I mean, with, with Gusty and then um, obviously Thiago. So, yeah, that's a that's a good point as well, man. Uh, and I don't know how you scored it, but we'll, I do see questions about that, so we'll save that for later. But I can tell you the, uh, the, the feeling in media row was, did we just see John Jones lose? A lot of people were wondering that. Even USCPR was like, did he just, like, how did you score? Because I scored it for John Jones. A lot of people scored it for Tiago Santos. So it I'll was. I'll tell you who definitely scored it for John Jones, Dana Hoyt. Apparently, you know, he doesn't know wh what we're all seeing again. This is amazing. It's unbelievable. That blew me away. That Mr. Inflammatory himself. My God. He's coming out I, with these these things every week now. It's just unbelievable, man. I'm I went trying to the, think. I went Sorry, into the back and I was like, trying to get a sense of how people scored it. And I think the first few people I talked to scored it for John and a few people actually gave it four one. And then I was looking at the comments and a lot of people said, I scored these three rounds for Santos. And I was like, all right, good. I'm not crazy, but we're going to save that conversation for later because there's an exact question about the scoring in that fight. So we're going to move on to oh, your friend from a couple of weeks ago. Life is kicking my butt. Apparently their life is still uh, hang in there, man. Don't let it get there. you down. Hang right. in there. We can Listen do this to together. <laughs> Listen to Pizzi, my friend. Uh, UFC's light heavyweight division. Hi, guys. Could could you please give us your take on the current state of UFC's light heavyweight division? A lot has happened recently, and right now not many top guys are booked. 
What do you think makes sense? And what do you think will actually happen next? Jones, Blockovitz, Dominic Reyes, Johnny Walker, Corey Anderson, Alexander Ratchik, and, and whoever else. Thanks. Good to see the A team back, by the way. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I'm always happy. I wish PT could be on every day of my life. Uh, what a beautiful but, thing to say, Jose. Don't <laughs> make me cry. I don't want to cry live on air. Oh, I've, I was there when Sean Alshadi almost cried for his uh, for his last show. And if you, what you didn't see, I was like, I was mouthing like, cry, 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 cry <laughs> the whole time. And it didn't work out. So I'll get one of you guys someday. But Pizzi, the light heavyweight division is pretty exciting as of now. And this was after years of people saying the light heavy, heavyweight division has kind of uh, become stagnant uh, with a lot of uh, uh, fighters retiring and or moving to other promotions. But he laid it out a lot. He or she laid out a lot of names. We had Jones, uh, Jan Blachowicz obviously had a big win. Johnny Walker was back. He was one of the guest fighters, said he's finally back to training. Corey Anderson has been champing at the bits to fight John Jones. I mean, he has wins over Eli Latifi and Glover Teixeira, who at the time when they fought were both in the top five. So he has wins over two top five fighters at the time. Ratchik, big win, which you were at, I believe, when he knocked out Jimmy Manoa. Absolutely. So. There's a lot of young talent. Dominic Reyes, which we I've kind of I've spaced on uh, a lot of young talent, light heavy heavyweight division. What do you make of the top, and where do you see this division at the end of 2019? I'll phrase it that way. I see Jones being on top at the end of 2019. It's impossible not to. But I will say, like Rakic is an unbelievable talent, but he's not there yet. You know, he he's just not there yet. Like I mean. Jimmy's a legend, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't in uh, a particularly prominent place when Rakic beat him. I expected Rakic to beat him that night. Um, Blakowicz as well, he's just lost to Santos, and now he beats Luke Rockhold. I don't think that really makes sense. Uh, I'd love to see Corey Anderson. I'd love to see Corey Anderson. Like I really feel like that guy's story is immense, and the UFC just need to put a spotlight on it. Like I remember talking to him in Hamburg, and he was telling me like to get his hands right after those knockouts to Manoa, etc. He was like he would be walking around the house with his wife, just as he's walking around, like just doing everyday things, trying to get his footwork right. Of course, he's working with the great Mark Henry. I love that guy, that guy's story, and I think he's probably um, he's probably knocking on the door. All right. I just feel, uh, you know, a lot of people seem to be talking about Reyes as well. But certainly, I feel Blackowitz needs another win. I feel Rakic probably needs a couple more wins. Um, Johnny Walker is is so interesting, man. Like, I mean, he is just such a captivating guy. The way he fights, injuring himself with a crazy celebration. You know, you can tell this guy's fingers on the pulse. You can tell the fan base is uh, reverberating with him. I even think the fact that Jones is pushing him down makes that more of a compelling fight later on. The fact that he's saying, oh, he's not ready for this. Is he going to fight someone good? That makes it even more interesting. I'd leave that in the old slow boil. Let that one slowly boil away in the corner. Maybe get Corey Anderson in there. But I know a lot of people are haunting Dominic Reyes as well. But wasn't Reyes' last fight just against Volkan? I wasn't particularly bowled over with that in London, I have to say. No, and Vulcan thinks he actually won that fight, and a lot of people actually think Vulcan Ozdemir won that fight. So uh, if Dominic Reyes had gone out there and just crumpled Vulcan Ozdemir or like ran through him, then we'd have another conversation. But uh, I agree with you 100%. I mean, backstage, Daniel, uh, John Jones said that he – it's hard to see how great – I think this is his exact phrase. It's hard to see how great Johnny Walker actually is because, based on the level of competition that he's fought. Uh, yes, he's had like three spectacular wins, but – John Jones wants him to take a giant step up because John Jones says, if I'm fighting those levels of opponents, I'm doing crazy things too. Uh, if, if, if I don't know if it makes sense matchmaking, but I said on the post show, I mean, why not John Walker versus John Blockovitz? I yeah. mean, 
I think uh, Jan need... is in a good position. I think Jan is is the guy that is going to breed the next title contender. Basically, I feel like yeah. Rakic and Blakovic could have a huge fight in Europe. They yeah. put on constantly underwhelming cards in Europe. That would be a huge deal if they did something like that. If they went back to Dansk, you know, or something like that in around that area, it would be huge. Even in Germany, those guys would sell really well. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like Jan holds the key now because he was. I, I fully believe that Luke Rockhold would have been able to force himself into that conversation had he beat Blackowitz. It felt like he was almost there to do exactly that. I, of course, picked Jan Blackowitz because I'm from Europe and I understand the power of these men. But I do feel like he is the guy that's going to hold the key. And for him, it's a good thing to be fighting the likes of uh, Rakic, Johnny Walker, all these dudes, because he'll get to prove it again. He'll again take someone else's momentum that's meant to be the next guy. And I feel like that's how he gets to the title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Thiago Santos beat Jan Blakovic to fight John Jones. So I do agree the winner of, I believe the winner of Jan's next fight should deserve the light heavyweight championship based whoever, like if he fights Dominic Reyes and Dominic Reyes goes out, yes. out there and beat, same for Ratchik or Rak Rakic. I always pronounce that wrong. Um, Rakic. Rakic or Rakic. Johnny Walker. Any of those fighters fight Jan Blakovic and beat him, then he should. they should get the next title shot and vice versa. But... I don't know if you saw after the fight, John Jones tweeted, "Who do you guys want to see me fight?" So I think John wants Mike to Tyson. really. He really. <laughs> I'd watch that. John Jones <laughs> really wants to take into account who the fans want to see him fight. So if the fans like, yeah, John Jones says maybe Johnny Walker doesn't deserve it, but if a lot of fans start blowing up John Jones' social media saying Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker, John Jones might see that as like, hey. Johnny Walker might make me the might drive the most interest in my fight. Let's fight Johnny Walker. I think he did the same thing. Like I, it reminds me of when Glover, when mm -hmm. he fought Glover, all that like all the basically the whole lead up to fighting Alexander Gustafson. This is when Glover was still on a tear, and people kept asking like, "Oh, what do you what do you make Glover to share? Uh, what do you uh, when are you going to fight Glover to share? And this and that. And John hadn't even fought Alexander Gustafson yet, and we saw how that fight went. Mm -hmm. And then right after he beat Gus. He fought Glover to share in Baltimore. Uh, well, that's a, that's a, just an interesting thing you've said there, Jose. Uh, my friends over at MMA Nyt in uh, in Sweden put out an article with Gus earlier this week, and he could be one of these guys, these movers and shakers in the division if he did come back. If he was to come back at light heavyweight, he would be the perfect litmus test for the like a Rakic. For all those guys, Johnny Walker, he would be perfect in that situation too. And the same way as we were talking about with Blackowitz. By beating those guys, he could underline maybe his title aspirations, but no one's jumping up and down to see that bad boy again, are they? Alexander Gustafson, I mean, that's a I I like to see him fight. I I'd like him as a high level elite martial artist, but yes. he's in that precarious situation. I I remember when uh when Benson Henderson lost to Anthony Pettis, that was his second yes. loss to him, and he said. Send me everyone because and then Anthony Pettis, I believe, got hurt or he was coaching the ultimate fighter against Gilbert. I can't quite remember which one. It might have been a combination of both. But he basically said, whoever the next number one contender would be, I'll fight them. So by the time Anthony Pettis comes back, I'll be the number one contender. I, I, you saw uh, Robbie Lawler do that. He lost to Johnny Hendricks and then Johnny Hendricks was out for almost a whole year. And Robbie Lawler fought, I think, Matt Brown and Jake Ellenberger, like two guys that would that were contending for. This was when Matt Brown was on that tear, and they had that epic fight in San Jose. Um, and then by the time Johnny Hendricks came back, Robbie Lawler was next man up. But 
Robbie Lawley didn't have two losses, two, and he wasn't finished by John Jones in his last fight. So uh, if Alexander Gustin does come back, I would love to see it just from a fan, uh, a fan of high-level fighting. It'd just be, would you, if you're Dominic Reyes, would you risk your position fighting a guy who's not getting a title shot anytime soon? Like, what do you have to gain outside of beating Alexander Gustafson? I don't know, but he needs another win. That's the way I see it. Like, I don't, I don't see how you get a title shot off edging out Volkan Ozdemir, who hasn't been on the best run in the world. You know what I mean? I, I just don't, don't see that. Like, I understand that he's a hot prospect. He's young. He's very athletic. He comes from, uh, is he a football background or something? Something like that? uh something like that yeah and i know like all all the best athletes in the u.s obviously go towards those kind of sports right usually so that was the big thing about brendan shaw back in the day wasn't it right the athlete <laughs> but um it's uh yeah I, I feel like he needs another win so go and get that win and the but, bigger the fish the bigger the bounty but the fact of the matter is the fact that we're having this conversation there's so many fights that can happen is Night and day from what we saw from the light heavyweight division a few years ago. I mean, John Jones coming back, being John Jones right. a coming back and being wanting to fight whoever has done wonders for this division. I think the winner of Alberto Del Rio and Tito Ortiz should go on to fight John Jones. There you go. I got it. Oh my! I got god. it, man. Oh my god! When are we talking about that? Because that's got to be some of the biggest news of the week, right? Oh my god! What a fight! <laughs> what a fight! My In god! Combate, two hundred ten pound catchweight. Off the top ropes, mate. Wait and you see it. It's going to be wild. Oh, TLC God. match. Oh, God. Well, what Tito Ortiz was a professional wrestler for a while, he did that aces and eights nonsense at TNA. I don't know if you ever saw I that. I heard your man, um, Alberto Del Rio, has a good wrestling background, too. Yeah, I think I believe he was on the, he, he was on the uh, Mexican wrestling team. For real. But they didn't make the Olympics. Um, yeah, well. And then he got head kicked by Mirko Krokop. He fought him in pride, so he has that experience. He wore his mask then as well. You know, yeah, it's, it's so much intrigue. The return of a legend. He was Who just knows what could happen back then. But moving on, because I feel like we could talk a lot. About, yeah, you're going to have uh, to just shut me down, man, because I will talk shit all day. Just say, right, stop. Next all thing. Right. Right? I'll be like, pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, hold on. Let me phrase it. See this. Actually, oddly enough, this is back-to-back -back green question, so I misread that. And the last question was by our friend Lodovic. And this question is from Life is Kicking My Butt. They were Hang in there. Of... Hang in there, man. <laughs> Hang in there. Hang in there, ma'am or sir. Simple question. Do you think Ben Askren will, quote, return even stronger after his brutal KO, after, as his coach claims, or will the KO cause him to be even worse? And, yeah, Pizzi, I don't know if you saw, but uh, – Duke Rufus, his coach, gave an interview to MMAfighting.com and said that, quote, Ben will be fine and he'll actually uh, he'll return with a bigger chip on his shoulder, which will, will cause him to, to train harder. And basically, he, he'll want to erase that um, that that <laughs> record setting loss. But do you believe that this KO loss will be detrimental to his long term career, like physically, mentally, all that stuff? Or is Ben Askren the type of guy that will come in uh, hungrier than ever to erase that performance? I don't know. I don't know enough about the guy. Um, you know, I find him very interesting. And one thing I did notice um, over the weekend was Paul Felder talking about him. Paul Felder would have spent a lot of time training with Duke and the boys there. So, I mean, he was kind of saying this is going to change the way he trains. He didn't explicitly say he had been training a certain way or whatever. But just the fact that he said that, the fact that that's the first thing he said, this is going to change the way he trains, makes me think that the way he trains wasn't exactly perfect or wasn't ideal. 
um the obvious thing that it's going to affect is his selling power um you know that was the whole thing about him i mean even after the robbie lawler fight that was far from convincing that was the thing no one's beaten him he still hasn't been beaten so i i think the fact that that's gone uh, immediately has a big effect on him i think he should really be uh like obviously this run was all about getting to the title shot and he and um you know he either wanted taylor masvidal he got masvidal and i think he's in the best vintage of his life um he looks amazing a star was born at the weekend i'm sure we'll be talking about that later but as for ben i'd really have be selective about my matchups um you know that's knocked him back a good bit i'd say to be honest you know after the lawler one and then this one you'd expect that's going to knock him back a while we had uh gunner nelson on Eurobash this week gunner says he'd love to fight him that's a very intriguing grappling match it's probably not the spectacle that uh, a lawler fight or a masvidal could bring but for highbrow MMA fans, that's a really, really interesting match if it hit the ground, you know? Yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head with the selling power, but I don't know if Ben Askren cares that much about that because I remember when he first joined, they said, well, why do you want to be in the UFC? Like, you're retired, you got all this money. He goes, he goes, his exact response is, I just want to fight the best. I mean, I had heard rumors that he wanted a one-fight contract with Bellator just to fight Rory McDonald. Like, yeah. he, doesn't, he wants to fight the absolute best. And if and he's like, if I lose, I lose. I just want to test myself. Uh, and it, he was on Ariel's show Monday, and he handled his loss about as well as anyone can handle. I mean, he's like, I just he, he joked, he's like, hey, I probably deserve that, like all the hate coming my way. Um, in terms of training, he said something interesting where because he had never really been rocked or knocked out or like anything like that, he felt almost invincible, which is what and and now that he's experienced that maybe that will change his approach to the actual fight like maybe he takes less risks maybe he doesn't run in with his head down right away uh and maybe in at, and so in terms of training camp i don't know how he trains so i can't really say i don't know his day-to-day -day training routine so i couldn't uh but he's surely in the right training. place if he needs to strengthen up his striking with duke rufus like yeah. a, a legendary kickboxer he has some fantastic kickboxers in that gym i'd say if, if it's striking is his weak point which it appears to be obviously we know he's an amazing grappler uh he's in the right place i would certainly say that anyway and i don't think his i i think his drawing power may have hurt a may have been hurt a little bit but if he gets say colby covington loses to robbie lawler and Ben Askren fights Colby That's Covington point, next, yeah. which I think if Colby Covington comes up short to Robbie Lawler, I think Askren Colby is the fight to make. Or mm -hmm. ask a lot of people are saying Askren Till, but I don't think I ever want to see Darren Till at middleweight ever again. Uh, well, so if, if if that's out of the question, he was up to middleweight. Or if, but if he can make it, for sure make make that fight. But I think Colby versus Askren is an awesome is a is an awesome fight in terms of the trash talk we'll get and like the yeah. the skullduggery back and forth. But I don't know if. It'll be the, most, the the biggest barn burner, but that fight will sell for sure. I mean, stick that on an ESPN card. But uh, anything well, you else? Well, get Mr. Trump at the event, you know? Be unbelievable. Well, I've heard that Donald Trump's kids are getting, might be at UFC. If if Colby comes in headlines a pay-per-view, like in the fall, I, I've heard that they might want to go. I don't know how true that is. I doubt it. I, <laughs> I, their kids? I don't doubt their kids would want to go. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe. All right, but moving on from Unstable Puppet. Nice uh, name. Nice name. If technology existed when you died. Oh, this question isn't even about MMA. Brilliant. If technology existed when you died, would you rather have your consciousness consciously transferred into biological clones of your body mm. 
or a cyborg, cyborg replica of your body. Discuss. What a fantastic question. Thank you so much for asking Unstable Puppet. I actually have a lot of thoughts about this. There are questions I have. A, is the clones, are the clones hollow husks that look like me, or do they have a consciousness of their own, similar to, uh, I believe it was a House of the Scorpion book? That would be my first question, because if they have their own consciousness and they are grown as children, I'm not trying to end that life. I'm not trying to take this person's brain out to put my brain in. If they are a direct clone of myself, so they look like me as I do right now, and they're not grown, and it's just a hollow husk with no brain activity in there, yeah, stick my body in that because I'll be young again. But the cyborg would also be interesting because basically I'll never die, but then I'll, I will have no organs and rust. I, basically, what am I made of? I want to know what I am made of as a cyborg because I'm not trying to be like a head on top of like a cyborg body, kind of like the lead of battle angel. I would I, I have our questions <laughs> on this. And B, is it multiple clone husks? I believe it was in Final Crisis when Batman, I believe it was, oh my God, I can't Welcome remember. Welcome to the rest name. of the episode, ladies oh. and gentlemen. <laughs> I can't remember the, this, 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 this name. There's Never this, ask Jose a soy foy question. What is wrong the, with these people? Oh my there's the, God. There's the supervillain that can transfer Batman's subconsciousness into you just like did it to yourselves. Clones. You just did it to yourselves. This is, could, this is a rabbit hole that we will not get out of for the rest of this episode. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I have a lot of questions that need to be answered. So if it is a cyborg similar to Elite Battle Angel, where I can do all Jesus. this cool stuff, sign me up. But if it's a hollow husk of my human self that can I can just keep going and going and going and going, cool. But I will not end the life of a clone that has its own consciousness. I will not end the life of a clone that is grown as like a baby in a petri dish and then ages. I won't do that like in House of Scorpion. Um, and I will not put my consciousness into multiple clones at once. Um, yeah, I think that's that's most most questions I need. I need these questions answered before I can give you a definitive answer. But I feel like, as you said, I can speak on this a lot. Pizza, your thoughts on clones and androids? I have absolutely no, no idea what's going on here. But, I mean, I will say, I think we need to make as many Jose clones as we can so we can make the world have better hair. I oh, think it's very God. important. You need to get <laughs> them all together, show people like me who have bad hair what to do. What do you do when you're having a difficult morning? What do you do when it's just too curly and you can't straighten it no matter what? This is what we need the clones of Jose for, for that beautiful hair. Oh and that's what I, I think it would it would add a lot to the world, to be honest. And as for the scorpion angels or whatever he's talking about, don't have a clue, man. Don't have a don't have a breeze. I'm as lost as you all are. <laughs> oh Not a breeze. What's going on? Well, I'll add this to another possibility <laughs> I hadn't thought of is. Are we cloning someone and oh, take geez. harvesting the organs for myself? So are you just growing a Jose clone in a tube and then say my liver fails and then they could just take this healthy no liver? No one cares about body. the liver. It's about your hair, mate. Well, no that's what I was going to say. Pizzi, if there was a if there was a Jose clone in a tube and they're like, Pizzi, you hate your hair? Do you want Jose's hair? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Sign me up, man. All right. So we've gotten to the bottom of this with some investigative journalist. PC is 100% on board with the cloning and is not on Team Cyborg. But clone them all. We'll move on. Oh, my God. I could talk about that forever. Pay, a little more serious. Pay gap from SJY. The Women's World Cup was amazing, but it highlighted pay gap between men and women's teams. The Women's World Cup final had better ratings than last year's Men's World Cup, and the women's team obviously has had better results than the men's team, yet they are paid less. 
Conversely, Amanda Nunes took the took home the highest reported pay at last week's UFC. Is MMA and tennis the only pro sport that pay men and women equally? Is that because they have events where men and women compete together? Thanks, SJY. Uh, now, yes, Pizzi, as you know, the Team USA won the Women's World Cup. Uh, shout out to them. I I don't know this for sure because I don't. I wa I did watch. I only. I pretty much only watch soccer or football, as you call it, when the World Cup is going on. I don't. My finger's not on the pulse of that world, but. I, from the outside looking in as a casual fan, is the ratings for this World Cup, I would imagine, better because the U.S. was in it. I mean, so I assume... Maybe, yeah, I'd say that's a big factor. Big factor, I'd imagine, yeah. Because um, usually you as our lads are knocked out in the group stages of the real one. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it is. I think it is a big factor, to be honest, that the U.S. did so well. Um, I don't... I'm not going to be able to tell you much about pay gaps, etc. I just know, like, some of the best women's football players in Ireland, they usually have to go and play in Scandinavia because the level of professionalism is much higher there. Um, the payment is, is, is far better. Um, but uh, I think, like, even when I think... I don't know if you know about Katie Taylor, uh, the undisputed yeah, oh, champion of boxing. Everyone knows who Katie Taylor is in the combat world. Yeah, well, well, Katie, like, I mean, before she kind of launched her professional career, I interviewed her, and she was saying at the time, she was kind of saying, I only look up to what the UFC have done. They've given women a prominent place. They've put them on uh, the headline fights. They've made stars out of women. And, and she felt as though boxing really was playing catch-up with MMA in that regard. So it's probably he's probably dead on saying like it's it's tennis and mma and i think that's one thing that in mma we're quite proud of the fact that we have pushed a women's sport and you know fans are open to the women main a women's main event like we have this weekend or or a male main event it doesn't really matter you know yeah uh i i i think heather hardy and bellator's said similar things as katie taylor where she basically is like i'm gonna do mma now because boxing is too many politics and mma pays better mm -hmm. um and then the fact that maybe, and I've had this conversation a few times that MMA has seemed to specifically like the UFC, I believe, well, not just the UFC, Bellator has female fighters, like obviously Cage Warriors did and all that, all that stuff. But uh, the UFC has only been around for 25 or so years. So it's, it's obviously a new sport where when it was created, women could do all of these things where I'd be like looking at baseball, American baseball, for example. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure people are going to yell at me in the comment section. I think the first World Series was 1903. You're wrong. And, <laughs> and the 19th Amendment, I want to say, it was 1920 or 1919, and that gave women the right to vote. So there right. were 17 World Series before women could even vote back then. So that's that baseball was created before women had even equal rights as men in normal day rather than sports. Mm -hmm. So I think because MMA is so new and it became – this huge global thing when women could do all of these things. And then the emergence of Ronda Rousey changed everything where there was, there was a chunk of time where she was arguably the biggest superstar in any sport across the globe. Uh, she was on the cover of ring magazine for crying out loud. And she was, she's not even a boxer. Uh, she's it, on the cover. It's crazy in hindsight, isn't it? Like uh, how Ronda's kind of the memory of Ronda is now like it's, it's she, she was a trailblazer without a doubt. Like, you know, and it, Sometimes you feel like she doesn't get the credit, you know what I mean? Like, I really, yeah. I really do feel like that. I feel like, you know, the negativity that's come from the last two losses, the fact she wasn't very public, she took the losses bad. We shouldn't take away absolutely everything she did because of that, you know? But I, sometimes I feel like people do. I agree. And I remember there was back when the, in the embedded, 
I want to say, I don't remember which fight it was. Maybe, bef- no, it was before the Betch Gohea fight. In uh, Brazil, she, right? She was in a room and it was. she said, like, don't be a do-nothing bitch kind of thing. Yeah. And then she put that on a shirt. Beyonce played that footage at one of her concerts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Beyonce was playing Ronda Rousey videos. Like, that's how big she was. And that she empowered a lot of people, you know. Like, I can even remember uh, my girlfriend, Elaine, was like, she got it. She was never an MMA fan, hates it because it destroys every weekend that we could possibly have a free time. But, um, that weekend when Rhonda said that the do nothing bitch thing, she was like, Oh, I love this girl. I want right. to buy her a book. I want to buy her t shirts. You know what I mean? Right. It was, uh, so, big impact. But then there I was the whole, yeah. Rhonda was the reason women were even in the UFC. I remember when, remember when the Dana reason White, isn't that what, um, my boy Lazy the Savage calls her. Is that, is that right? Is that, I, that I don't yeah. know, but that'd be a good nickname because I remember that I think it was that TMZ footage of Dana White saying, like, women will never be in the UFC. Which is why when Dana was like, when have I ever been wrong? I'm like, it's the only time he's that? ever been wrong. It's amazing. That's like, you know, the one time we have it on the record. What a humble man admitting that. Yeah, right, right. But anything else you want to say about uh, the, the pay gap and stuff like that? I don't have enough information. I'd be just talking shit, to be honest, if I said that. <laughs> All right, then we're going to move on from Ninja Trees fantasy matchup. So who do you think will win these fights? Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. Masvidal, next. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I'm, I always favor the active fight. Right now, right now, yeah, exactly. 100%. Habib versus GSP. Habib. Right right now? Right now. Which weight class? Whatever weight class. If it's a welterweight, GSP. If it's lightweight, I'd obviously have to fa- favor Habib. I also think George is the greatest fighter who ever lived. I do, uh, yeah, but I also believe that Michael Bisping and Khabib are very different fights. <laughs> That's a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> John Jones versus Francis Ngannou, but he spelled John Jones wrong. So, okay, oh, Francis. So, so, John Jones, the computer analyst or video game designer, as you see on Twitter, because they clearly spelled this guy's name wrong. Oh, no. Yeah, I love that guy. I yeah. love him. So, I'll but- say Francis will for sure beat the video game designer, but I also think right this second, that's tough. Francis- hang on. Hang on. Now, hang on a second. Hang on a sec. It's not tough. If Tiago, if he landed it, if Tiago, if John Jones at the same punches that he had off Tiago Santos and Big Fran was on the end of them, it's lights out. I don't think that's a, a question. What's he going to be able to bulk his frame up to 230? You're dealing with two other weight classes with this dude. He's an absolute yeah. monster. I don't feel like, like, what, what are you going to, like, you'd have to just basically grapple him from the word go. It'd have to be exactly like the Stipe fight, hoping that Francis has learned absolutely nothing and that's how it would have to go. I don't think, I honestly think after watching the Thiago fight, I don't, I agree with Jones. I don't really think it's a good idea to go to heavyweight anymore, especially if you're in this thing where you're like, I'm going to prove I'm a harder puncher than Francis Ngannou. That's not going to end well, mate. That is not going to end well. Uh, you, I, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get into a firefight with Francis Ngannou because he has one grenade that he needs to land while you're just hitting him with these these pepper shots. But yeah, I mean, I definitely leave Francis and Gano, lean Francis and Gano 100%, but I just think John Jones is such has the highest fight IQ I've ever seen. I mean, he puts camps together for a specific opponent better than anyone I've ever seen ever. So I would lean Francis, but I don't think it's as clean, clear cut as most people would make it out to be. I'm telling you, it is as clean cut. Well, hopefully we actually see what I don't want to say. I hope we see that outcome because I don't really care who I want to see the fight. I, yeah, I just want to see that fight. Like Johnny, I was speaking to Johnny Walker at the red carpet and he was like, uh, I want to fight John Jones. And I also want to move up to heavyweight and fight Francis and Gano. I'm like, are you crazy, man? Like, look at that. Like, 
John Jones first, and then Francis and Ghana. And I was like, oh man, you're out of control. And I love everything about he's in, it. He's in that invincible mode. It's like when Connor started emerging as well. It's just like they believe anything, they can do absolutely anything. And if people start believing them as well, on top of that, it, it creates a monster, as we know. But um, yeah, I, I'm 100% back in uh, Big Fran and that one, Big Franny and Ganu. And I've got a comment on the thing we previously talked about the women's pay where this uh esther lynn our photographer said totally going to disagree on women's pay in mma it may it may we close it may be close for two or three fighters but for the rest they are far underpaid and yeah that is a good point we talked specifically about the top of the rankings but i also think mma and fighters in general are underpaid like oh criminal yeah. it's absolutely yeah, ridiculous that's even ufc fighters man that's everybody they they get paid shit like you know if you're an entry-level ufc fighter you're not even making a living living wage for the most part you know but i i do agree <laughs> i think we we, sh we talked a lot about the top like obviously amanda's the greatest female fighter of all time so she's going to get paid as the greatest female fighter of all time but just looking at that, the rest of the division, even the straw weights and the fly weights, they are. There's a big gap between men and women's pay in the UFC. Mm, so I don't I think would, it's I as, they are. Maybe they're getting the 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 spotlight and these. Um, what would you say these accolades? These, these positions to like, and they're being promoted well, and that's all fantastic. But if they're not being paid as, as well as their their male counterparts that's a that's a huge problem well this is what i said i don't want to say anything more about it because then i'm going to start talking shit and then esther's going to beat me over the head with a laptop the next time she sees me so i don't want any of that action i'm sorry esther just by the way jose made me answer that question i didn't even know anything about it i'm very sorry yeah. it's all jose blame. and his you beautiful can... beautiful hair <laughs> you can blame me and the our friend sjy in the comment section but you're doing mate it's over. <laughs> Moving on from our good friend Eduardo Bueno. Seeing so many fighters retiring and unretiring lately, I wonder, will these guys ever Lately? Hang on. Lately? You're seeing that lately? This <laughs> is the story of the sport. No one ever retires. Tito Ortiz is fighting a dude that got head kicked by Mirko Krokop 20 years ago. He didn't retire then. He's back 20 years later with no experience to fight Tito Ortiz. Come on. Nobody really retires. No one retires. No one. I mean, yeah. No, I think Michael Bisping is going to be the first fighter to officially retire. I hope so. You know, that's European. That's a real man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do yes, no for these uh, from our friend Eduardo Breno. Will these guys ever fight again? Carlos Condit. Yes. I yes, one hundred percent. Alexander Gustafson. Yes. I'll say no. Yes. Uh, Gray Maynard. Yes. Yes. Johnny Hendricks. Yes. I'll say no to MMA, but yes, because he did that bare knuckle boxing fight. The question was fight, right? That's fair. So I'll say. Uh, Keep them coming. I know the answer to everyone already. I don't even see the names. Go. Kane Velasquez. Yes. Yes. Hector Lombard. Yes. Yeah. Matt Brown. Yes. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think the only one I would say doesn't fight again is Alexander Gustafson. Uh, the other yeah, I thought that too. And then you start saying, well, my hands are feeling tiggly or whatever he says. Right. And you're like, oh, here we go again. Here we right. go again. I just, yeah, his his retirement was a little, was one of the more emotional ones I've seen. So if he does fight again, I don't think it'll be for a while. Maybe pull Selling us those wolf tickets in Stockholm. Don't go <laughs> breaking my heart. Alex. I see what you did there. That's funny. All right, moving on. 
you asked for it and you finally get to talk about it, PC. Tito Ortiz, comeback fight, a.k.a. fight of the century. Tito Ortiz is coming back to fight ex-WWE wrestler Alberto Del Rio, who last fought in MMA in 2010 at a random 210-pound catchweight. This is Combate Americas, as apparently Oscar De La Hoya's MMA promotion was a one-time thing, and Bellator at the UFC won't touch this. Thoughts on Tito Ortiz and what will surely be the fight of the century. And he wrote fight of the century in all caps, too, by the way. You're going to have to explain this to me, right? I have absolutely no interest in this freak show, this absolute mess of a fight. So you can tell me, should I be like, I mean, did you guys react differently? Like, I mean, do you guys see uh, Tito Ortiz as this beacon of light and every time he competes, it's must-see TV? Because I watched that Chuck Liddell fight and I still have emotional scars from that stuff. So uh, you tell me, should I be excited? I think it's a joke. I think... As media members and people who follow the sport religiously and have been watching the sport for a very long time, we are the wrong people to ask because I don't care about this fight. Well, I I, I say I don't care about this fight in terms of like a matchmaking perspective. I don't think Tito Ortiz cares about this fight, honestly. Like, I, it's hard to believe, honestly. Like, who's gonna win? You know what I mean? Come right, on. right. I think there's. Alberto Del Rio at one point in time was one of the bigger stars in WWE. Now he's obviously El Pat- Alberto El Patron. He fought in Lucha. He fought. He wrestled in Lucha Underground. Um, but he's wrestled big matches in WrestleMania. And like, say what you want about the WWE, they have one of the biggest followings across the globe in anything, in any sport, in any entertainment whatsoever. I believe. I don't know the exact number, but I think they have one of the top five most subscribed to YouTube channels on planet Earth. And altogether, their social media followings, which is like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, is way up there for the top, near the top of most combined followers. And Alberto Del Rio was in there for, not only was he in there for a long time, he was a major player. I mean, I'm going to sound like a huge wrestling nerd. I know nothing about this. Jose, you answer the question, please. As you get into this more, I'm just like, I don't have a breeze, man. I don't have a clue. There was a time where he would he was he was being seriously pushed as one of the biggest like um what what do you call it like uh international villains in on American soil like he was the Hispanic aristocrat that just talked down to everyone he came out in limousines and he talks all he he had an announcer because he didn't want to talk he, I'm you're not worthy of hearing me talk <laughs> That's right. Funny. It's, all, it's all smoke and mirrors, but like there was a time where he won Money in the Bank. He won the Royal Rumble. He wrestled at WrestleMania. Uh, he won literally every single accolade you could win in like the span of 12 months. And that massive push, obviously, he became a big star because now that he's not even in the WWE, he's now fighting Tito Ortiz in the main event of Combate America. So, A, I don't really care about this fight in terms of is is this going to be a good fight? No. Will Alberto Del Rio win? No. But I know for a fact people will want to watch this because, I mean, look, people want to watch CM Punk fight. I mean, and now we're seeing Alberto Del Rio fight. And Alberto Del Rio has way more uh, experience back in the day from, like I said, I believe he was on the Hispanic uh, Mexican wrestling team. that They didn't make the Olympics, obviously. And he's had... 16 14 mma fights and he was on like a four or five fight win streak in uh the deep promotion before he got head kicked at by mirko krokop or i can't quite remember if it was before or after but like he's put together wins he's an international star in mexico i mean he's a big deal in mexico and because this is spanish speaking promotion 
people in Mexico are going to want to watch this fight for sure. Also, also he's he was Dos Caras Jr. when he was a mass wrestler in Mexico because the junior. I can't remember if it was uncle or his We're dad. in a rabbit hole here, Jose. We are going all the way in. We're going too deep on this. <laughs> because he was, I can't remember if it was his dad or his, his father, but his dad is was Dos Caras. We, and he is like, oh, he's wrestling royalty <laughs> in Mexico. So if they just build this up as Tito Ortiz versus this Mexican superstar from the world of wrestling, he was a luchador, people are going to care. We won't care. We won't care. But people will care. I think they'd be better off throwing fruit at Tito and see if he can beat that, to be honest. I don't... Uh, fruit? <laughs> yeah, like just random mandarins, uh, satsumas, see what happens. You know what I mean? Passion fruit. So then all... Do you think the fight will go longer than his fight against Chuck Liddell? I honestly couldn't care because I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> Oh, well, no. Tito looked like he improved when he when he fought the ghost of Chuck Liddell. I mean, what are we meant to say here? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so, for people still listening, uh, <laughs> next week, please ask only clone, android, and wrestling questions. <laughs> Give <laughs> me an easy night's work. PT <laughs> will not only be all over it; he'll find a job just like <laughs> churning out this content, but. Moving on, uh, another uh, uh, recommendation just popped up. What's next for Luke Rockhold? The time off, the time off, and move up to light heavyweight didn't give us an improved Luke. KO'd in three of his last four. Still cocky, still has his chin in the air, still head on the center, still getting knocked out. Where do you see Luke go from here? Retirement, confidence builder versus unranked opponent, Anthony Smith, Chris Weidman. Your thoughts? So yeah, obviously you watched, but Luke Rockhold got knocked out. Pretty violently by another left hook, uh, broke his jaw. According to Dana White, Dana White's already said I'd like Luke to retire. He has a modeling gig, so why does he even need to fight? But Pizza, your thoughts? Where should Luke go? Go from here? Just on that though, just I just wanted to ask you about that. Were you kind of taken aback by when Dana just went off on that one? It wasn't like someone no. was like, "Hey, should Luke retire?" They were like talking about someone completely different. He goes, "Hey, I'll tell you who should retire." And I'm like, "What did he do to you? Did he piss he in your cornflakes?" It reminded me, I think, when he was talking about Sage Northcutt, when he said Sage to retire, I think he did the same thing where someone asked him about something else, and then he just started talking about Sage Northcutt. So uh, while it was it was definitely weird, I think I've just become jaded to Dana White, just randomly bringing up retirement. But uh, yeah, what do you think? Where do you think Luke should go from here? I don't know, and like I can I can fully understand why he's so confident with a beautiful face on him like that. I, I'd be very confident as well. I, I'd get knocked out every day of the week and still sound nice and proud beautiful beautiful man but um yeah i don't know like i mean he needs some time off first of all and i think after that time off if he could jump in and make something interesting happen like you know he he definitely could do that i mean let's be honest um when he made this move to lie heavyweight he was knocking the door of a title shot before he even fought in the weight class you know what i mean so i think it would be foolish for us uh especially in the world of MMA retirements, to say that's the last of them. But do I see a clear path to what's next? No. But do I think we've seen the last of them? No. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I personally don't like telling anyone to retire, especially if they want. I mean, we talked to Luke Rockhold at Media Day and we asked him, why are you fighting? Like, why do you, you don't have to fight? You have a, a, a not a, like, and Dana White himself is like, yeah, everyone's a model, but like Luke Rockhold is actually a model. Like he's walking, like the like what is it the catwalk and he's, he's same here all, same here right right as you do 
Uh, <laughs> he's he has, he has these big sponsors by like Polo, Ralph Lauren, and all that stuff. Like, why do you why are you fighting? He's like, I just like to fight. I just, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy the competition. So uh, if he wants to keep competing, it shouldn't be for a while. But even then, he was like one fight a year for like the last four years. So he's not even the most active guy. Uh, if I'm Luke, I don't fight again because I do have that other career that I can make money and not get punched in the face and not have to fight Yoel Romero and not have to fight Jan Blakovich. But if he wants to keep fighting, who am I to tell him not to? What about Jan Blakovich calling out that he's going to knock him out with a left hook in the second round in our interview? Unbelievable. It was, that's what I was about to, I was going to ask you next. I mean, he said, is it his interview or his post-fight press conference? He said he watched that Michael Bisping fight 10,000 times. Yeah. And <laughs> paid off. Well, there's there's a, a fight pass subscription fully fulfilled, I'd say, with that one. 10,000, eh? Jesus Christ. But uh, that Polish steel tastes bitter, man. It tastes awful bitter. And it's, uh, it was rough seeing Luke Rockhold all week saying uh, he he was completely dismissive of Jan. That's what I felt like. I mean, he, he was setting himself up for the Bisping narrative all over again. You know, he makes himself he makes himself nearly, like, easy to hate for the fan base. So when someone like Jan, who might be relative unknown in the U.S., does that, it's huge. You know what I mean? It's it's a huge, huge win. And, um, you know, I think I, I don't think Jan could have expected that he'd get a fight like that off the back of the Santos loss. But, you know what I mean? He, he's definitely going away with the uh, with the huge win that night for sure, man. I mean, even in our in our our interview, you can see it on our YouTube page at Media Day. His line was, uh, I only care about one person. And that's myself. That's Luke Rockhold's exact quote. And I'm like, oh, you're just... Again, again, if I had a face like that, I'd be exactly the same, man. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Pizzi. I'd be like, listen, get away from me. Look at this shit. Look at this Luke. fucking thing. Get away from me. Don't talk to me. Look at my fucking face. <laughs> Look at this shit he says. That's so funny. <laughs> All right, we're going to hop over to Twitter. Uh, you can use, obviously, hashtag the A-side. If you want to ask us questions, you can ask me or the beautiful PC Carol. Uh, any of these Maybe questions- could my clone look like Luke Rockhold? See? Question answered. You're on the board Question now. Question answered. You, you, you're you on the board. You need these questions answered before you can give a truthful answer about cyborgs versus clones. I'm glad you I'm glad you came around. Uh, you can come back next week for the clone cyborg talk part two. But <laughs> jump into Twitter uh, from Brian Keller, former co-host of the A-Side. Sure Boom! Uh, we teased this a little earlier, but I want to know how you guys scored the Joan Santos fight and why. I don't know how it came. So I'll start this. I don't know how it came off uh, through the TV, but I had Santos winning one and five. Joan uh, clearly winning three and four. Mm. And then two was, was the, the one was yeah. the 50 50 one. And I had Jones winning. So I had Jones winning three to two. But that second round was a coin flip. Uh, and I was seeing people when, when I don't know if you watched the. Um, pros fight press conference we were trying to do one of those like where it cut to me and i would interact with fans in the comment section uh between fighters or before and i asked you go who do you think won the fight how did you score it and ant walker was sitting next to me and even casey was sitting next to me there was about 60 in a row messages where it was santos one two five santos one two five just over and over and over and over and over so i had jones winning Two, three, four, and Santos winning one five, but it's it's clear that second round was the fifty fifty one. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much the way I had it. I was leaning towards Jones just because he's the champ. I was like, my friends are over here watching it and stuff, and um, they a lot of them had Santos, and I was like, it's just too close. I say, if it's coming down to this, I'm going to give it to Jones. But I wouldn't have been shocked, you know, but I just felt like it would... It's gonna go up with Jones, you know. I just felt it was like I, I feel the 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 second round's the most pivotal as well, um. But yeah, that's the way I had it, man. And it was really, really close. And I think Thiago deserves a lot of credit. Like he talked to Guilherme about his knee, like his knee is in tatters, man. Like that, how did that guy fight, man? He he is unbelievable. That guy is absolutely unbelievable. And John Jones, you know, he is the best fighter we've ever seen in this sport. And for him to do that was absolutely incredible, man. It really, it really, really was. And I hope, um, I hope his knee repairs, but an injury on that scale, like it, it, there's a good chance he'll never be the same again. And that's, that's, that's the truth of it. You know? I mean, the only athlete I can recall, I'm sure there's a lot. I can't think of them right now, but Sean Livingston, the basketball player in the NBA. He yeah. Had big fan, of, big fan of Sean Livingston. Yeah. yeah huge, huge yeah. fan of his. Wow, how did he come back from that knee injury, Jose? Not only did he come back, he has a couple of championships too, by the way. But he he got I was just it. about to say that. He got it just jumping up and down. He jumped and landed on his leg wrong and ACL, MCL, PCL, meniscus, all that fun stuff. And he came back, but he was obviously not the super not that he was a superstar, but he was obviously not the same ever again. But I the fact that we're having this conversation about who won. Like when's the last like the Gustafson fight was the last time we really had a was that was a close decision. Mm, yeah. uh, and it's like we said before, John Jones returning to the division did wonders for like all these matchups that could happen. But not, now John Jones, his fight against Anthony Smith was he didn't destroy him and he didn't destroy Tiago Santos. So John Jones on the outside looking in looks as more as beatable as ever or more beatable than ever before. Yeah, mate. But again, I think he made it difficult for himself. I don't. I don't think he had to fight that way. I think he 100% made it more difficult for himself, and that's just how good he is. He needs to make this interesting on a different level than we can even comprehend. Something wrong with the guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you. His. What did he say at the pre post fight press conference? He said uh, it would have felt like a defeat if I took him down. Something to that effect. Yeah, it would have felt like I gave him ground if I if I took him down. He said, uh, "I'm here for it to be hard." That was his thing. Like he wants the challenge, and he said, if there was a rematch down the line, he would ha he would uh, he might approach it differently. Because if John Jones wanted to, I feel like he could take Tiago Santos down pretty easily uh, with that. I mean, he took Daniel Cormier. No, one hundred percent. Like people, people are saying this to me. Oh yeah, well maybe he just couldn't take him down. He could have taken him down. The dude has one leg. He could have taken him down. Yeah. Yeah, and he would have cut through him with those elbows. So if if, yeah. if they do rematch, and I've said the only fighter better than John Jones is John Jones in a rematch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fight Daniel Cormier to a decision, then the rematch, he head kicks him, not KOs him. Fights uh, Alexander Gustin to a, a razor thin decision, and then runs through him in the rematch. So the only fighter better than John Jones is John Jones in a rematch. I had uh, one of the lads that was here. He actually had uh, a, a bet on Jan Blackowitz. Uh, Jan Blakowicz, Jorge Masvidal, and Thiago Santos. You can imagine oh, how upset he no. was. Man, he would have been one about a grand. <laughs> and he spent oh, like, no. and he put tenor on it and he would have got a grand. Oh. He was one scorecard away from that grand. He was like, well, we're having this debate. He's like, Santos definitely fucking won. Definitely fucking won. <laughs> he, won all, he won every round. <laughs> all right. Sticking on Twitter for, I believe, this is a question for you specifically, Pizzi, I would imagine. How about ben, Brendan Locknane for the Bellator featherweight? Oh, 
Oh, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you what they should do. They should definitely get some Europeans in there. I'll tell you three names that I'd bring into that thing right now. I'd get Brendan in. You look like the savior. You look like you're after saving the day. Get him in there. Do you know who else you get in there? Artem Lobov. Get that man in there. He has no contract in MMA yet. Get him in. You're trying to generate interest. You're trying to take on the UFC in Europe. There's two big names. Here's another one for you. Pedro Carvalho. He's floating under the radar. He comes from SPG. He's Portuguese. He's 3-0 with Bellator so far. Thanks very much, Scott. Send. Where do I send my invoice? Because these guys, they're, they're making up fights based on my tweets now. Look, I'm channeling you, Scott. Put, put those three guys in there. That's the way to do it. I'm telling you now. Thank me later. Would you favor any of those those three in the tournament to come out on top? I I would yeah I think uh, I don't like I think Carvalho is the real deal. Um, he's floating under the radar. He he's like I, I don't I think the fact that he's Portuguese and he's an SPG is kind of it takes away from the whole Irish thing and right. people represent people with with Connor so much. And um, I think Lochnane is one of the most elite uh, featherweights that isn't signed. So it'll be very interesting to see him in there straight away in the mix with with the big dogs in uh, Bellator. I don't think I'd, I'd back Artem to win it, but he would certainly make things very interesting. And imagine if you had Pedro on one side of it and Artem on one side of it, and they somehow managed to meet, and it's SBG versus SBG. Who are you going to corner, John Kavanagh? Who are you going to corner? Now, here's the answer that I was hoping for. Artem Lobov isn't in the tournament, but the winner of the tournament gets to fight Artem Lobov. For the that, goat. That's what you do. The Bare winner title. is not the championship. The prize is to fight Artem Lobov. Yeah, I tell you, man, that's a bad prize. That's a gnarly night's work, no matter if it's a win or a loss. I'll tell you that much. Would you, uh, now, Pedro Carvalho is the fighter <laughs> that I think you were talking about, talking to James uh, Gallagher about it, right? Yeah, James was up. like, put him in. I'll, I'll, I'll relinquish my place on that. Uh, in that featherweight tournament if they get that pedro go in all right as i just want to say as a fan i wish gallagher would be in it because just speaking, oh, yeah, with, a, speaking with a lot of when i was at bellator in chicago a couple weeks ago or like a month or two ago a lot of fighters want to fight that guy that kid yeah. and a lot of fight there were a lot of featherweights on that on that card and every single one of them was like i want gallagher first round He's a natural 35 though. Like, I don't think there's any yeah. sense in him in fighting at 45. And I just, I, I say this a lot, and I say it to James a lot. There were so many people that wrote him off after he lost to Ricky Bandeas. And do these fighters realize that every time they speak about him, they are, in fact, building James Gallagher's brand for him. So they're going like, oh, I want to fight James Gallagher here. He's shit. And you're like, you've just made a headline about <laughs> James Gallagher. You've just fed the monster. Like, surely... You understand what's happening at this stage, but they don't, and it continues. Like the last time he was on Eurobash, I had a list of seven names or something, like Lencioni, Dom Wooding, all these guys, and he's like, "Look, I'm not going to individually <laughs> talk, to, talk about every one of them, but um, you know, these guys are actually feeding the monster. You know, these are feeding the brand. They are building the James Gallagher brand, and whether yeah. you like it or not, that is the case." Bellator has a superstar on their hands, and where are they sticking? Where's that Bandejas fight? Sioux Falls. Yeah. Ugh, what are you doing, Bellator? Sounds like a lovely place. So does Thackerville, Oklahoma. Uh, Sioux Falls is a lot nicer than Thackerville, Oklahoma, in my opinion. <laughs> you should you should see Blanchard sound, mate. Not pretty. I'll take your <laughs> word for it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Ooh, what are your thoughts on the just announced Crone Gracie versus Cub Swanson fight? Is it a step up in competition too much too soon for Crone? So yeah, Pizzi, obviously you've heard the news, but Crone Gracie versus Cub Swanson is being targeted for a later date. Uh, your thoughts on the matchup, and is it too much too soon for Crone Gracie? 
I love that card first of all because it's Waterson and Joanna on the top of it. Yeah, love go. that fight. Love that fight. Um, I I feel like in theory it is a huge step up in competition from uh, Alex Caceres, but uh, something my good friend Sean Sheehan pointed out, I believe, was that Cub Swanson has lost seven times by submission. He's yeah. an awesome black belt. Don't get me wrong, but Crohn's on that different level. You know, he's one of these guys that when you start in a jujitsu gym when you're a teenager, people are already talking about Crown Gracie as a purple belt or a brown belt or whatever. Um, I do think it's a winnable fight if he can fight it on his terms. I don't think that Cub Swanson will have such a low IQ to just present his back to him like Alex Caceres did in the first round of their fight. Um, but I do think it's a step up. It's a very interesting matchup. There's a clear advantage on the ground and there's a clear advantage in the stand-up. I really like it. It could be a step too far too soon, but I'm definitely intrigued because I thought, to be honest, I thought Casera was going to beat him in his debut. Really? Well, I just thought like, like um, when I see Crown strike in, in his other fights, I just felt like it's a long way off a UFC level, um, but I was wrong. I mean, but I do think uh, Caceres is, uh, is that how you say his name? Alex Caceres? Yeah. Yeah. Caceres. I, I think he, um, I think uh, his IQ was awful on the night. Absolutely brutal. I I I think I favored because I was at that fight. I think I favored Crone, but I mean it wasn't by much because that fight was his first fight in three years. He mm. fought in 2016 and then he fought February 2019. So he's got legendary then, blood, though. Yeah, he he sure does. But I thought for sure he would try. They would try and put him on that Rio de Janeiro card. I know our Guillermo <laughs> was very hyped on him fighting in that real card, uh, UFC 237, but didn't didn't come to be. And then after that, I thought for sure they would try and get him on that Anaheim card because he lives in uh, SoCal, and he, his training partner, Nate Diaz, is also on that card. So it, he skipped over two cards that I thought were no-brainers for him to be on, and now he's fighting in San Francisco, California, obviously. But uh, I don't have to explain to you the difference between Northern and Southern California, do I, Pizzi? Absolutely not. I love <laughs> San Diego's there or something, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's in there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere around there. But uh, I like this fight. I like this fight personally a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if it's too much too soon, but if Sean Alshadi was here because he was the he was also at UFC Phoenix, Chrome Gracie, basically, he said, I wanted to fight Cub Swanson. I wanted to fight this guy. I wanted to fight this guy. He basically named three fighters not named Alex Caceres, and Cub Swanson was the very first fight he, he named. So I'm... I'm I'm super stoked on this fight. Uh, it's another tough prospect fight for Cub Swanson, though. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just on uh, Sean Al Shadi, you're speaking about him there. Do you know I have to watch back the video of me messing up the microphone thing every time I do this show, so I know which way to have it facing. That's well, a true story. I know Sean Al Shadi. He did a lot for this site, but his lasting <laughs> legacy in the annals of MMAfighting.com will forever be. Him helping Carol <laughs> fix his microphone. Like, say what you want about his long forms are great. He's a real he's mentor a to me. <laughs> he's a great friend, but his prowess for microphones will never be will never be matched. Yes, that is true. He is a genius of the microphone. Maybe that's of- why we were having. Maybe that's why we were having all these audio issues. Donald <laughs> Fadi, genius of the microphone. I really hope he hears that and that becomes his new nickname. But I'm gonna do one last peruse. I can't have to think about that for the rest of the t- for the rest of today. I'm gonna do one last look at uh, the comment section. See if we got any more. I hope they stopped crying in the comment section. Oh my god! Oh, 
Ooh, here's an interesting one. Uh, it's not recommended, but I'd like to have your thoughts on this. Please, dis from The Haymaker, which I don't think we've ever heard from. David Hay. Yeah, he's a big deal, actually. Oh, my God. David Hay watches this show. <laughs> Brian, are you watching? David Hay, man. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. This is amazing. <laughs> big fan, Dave. Go ahead. If David Hay is watching this, have him on. Please discuss Ma Masvidal's post-fight, post-KO antics and whether they went too far. We'd like to hear more of your opinion. So, yeah, obviously uh, it's the thumbnail to this post, but after he knocked out Ben Ashby. Oh, we I haven't talked about Jorge Masvidal. No, that's why I had to bring it up. No one asked a question about Jorge Masvidal. Wasted so a good I, 10 minutes on cyborgs. <laughs> hey, you know what? This is a perfect segue because those comments about cyborgs and clones were super necessary. That's true. Uh, That's a true story. I know way more about that thing now that I never did. You're welcome. So uh, Jorge Masvidal's post-KO post antics, you know, he got in his face a little, like Ben Ashwin didn't even know where he was, and Jorge Masvidal was kind of in his face on the ground, and then he he I, he did what I like to call corpsing, where he just kind of flops on the ground, pretending he was unconscious, and then... Uh, uh, John Morgan at the post-fight press conference said, "Well, what were those <laughs> those punches necessary?" And he's like, "They oh, they were super necessary." Yeah. Like, what do you mean? He was like confused why people were questioning whether he should have kept punching Ben Askren. So, uh, Pizza, your thoughts? And I'm curious how it came off through the the broadcast. Yeah. Um. I don't. I'm not upset by it, lads. This isn't the PGA Tour, in case you didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, we're this is a pretty crazy sport, you know, and. The fact that Jorge is so real is what sells him here. If he gets on the mic after and says, oh, I'm so worried about Ben. This is, this is a terrible, terrible thing I just did. It's not going to have the same impact. He is a star. He's huge. He he feels like he's propelled himself off into another stratosphere here. I was the guy saying, he needs to fight Leon Edwards. He's after hitting Leon Edwards. That was me. I was an idiot. If you see what that happened in that fight, Man, he couldn't have been fighting anyone else to get a bang like that. To get to get that perfect connection, Askren is a perfect opponent there. To Askren actually put him over um, very well, which made Jorge's win even bigger. I, I, even Ben talked about that in Ariel's show. Like he knew that he was setting himself up for a big fall by talking that way about Jorge. And I know Jorge's still mad at him, but secretly he must be like, "Thanks so much, Ben. That was great." But we can't. <laughs> like this was. He, he has built a whole new thing. He's his own thing, and, and he needs to stick with it. I don't even think he's consciously going, oh, I need to keep on hamming up my brand. That's just the way he is, and I don't want him to change at all. And I take back what I said about Leon Edwards. Yeah, I mean, through the broadcast, I I mean, I don't know how it came off. I haven't watched the whole well, great sportsman is what I was taking away from. I was like, wow, this guy, what a sportsman. That's what I was Right, saying. and I remember when Luke Rockhold fought Michael Bisping the first time. And Luke Rockhold submitted Bisping, and then he like helped him up and hugged him. And I just kept seeing a lot of tweets and a lot of posts saying like, "Oh, like it was all fake. It's not. They don't hate each other. Like it's all phony." Uh, like, and then the, it kind of took away from it. But then, like, you see Habib and Connor. You see what happens when their fight's over, and that just now what happened? What happened? Uh, there was a little bit of a kerfuffle. I think that's what you would you would call it at the end of the fight. I don't know if you heard about it in Ireland. A shamuzzle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Bro. Uh, I don't. The Connor took out the shillelagh. The, the extra punches may, might have been a little too much, but 
Hori Masvidal said it. I'm, my job is to punch until the referee pulls me off. And everyone likes, yeah, the walk-off knockouts look cool when you're uh, Mark Hunt or when you just crumple this guy and walk away. But I do think if Hori Masvidal just hit that flying knee and was like, that's rap, and just walked away, didn't throw another punch, that would have looked awesome. That would have looked incredible. But he did his job and he punched until the referee pulled him off. Yeah, it was it was it's horrifying to watch, and I'm sure it won't look good for for fans who don't follow MMA and they watch this man punch an unconscious man two or three times. It's not going to look good, but I get it. But part of me wishes he was just like, "That's it, that's a wrap." Like flying knee, boom. One, Have you heard Mike Brown one. talking about this? Mike Brown, uh, he he was on Helwani's show and he was saying like, he goes like, "Look what happened in the the Lawler fight. We thought he was dead." And he came back alive. Like, I mean, this is this is the rules of the game. He hasn't done anything wrong. If anything, it's on the referee for not getting in there quick enough. That's I honestly feel that way. Yeah, I agree with you. But like what the referee usually when you can sense the end is coming. So you kind of hang closer and closer and closer. That fight was that fight should have been two seconds. If the referee, the referee needed three seconds to run in and stop it, was so he taking a selfie or something. What was he doing? He was literally just walking backwards to get ready for the fight. Moonwalking, moonwalking oh, when you're refereeing a fight. What the hell is that about? Jesus Christ! Right. There's times to dance when you're refereeing a fight is not one of them, my friends. Oh, Remember that for any wow. of you fledgling referees out there, don't dance in there. You heard it from here. P.T. Carroll is anti-dancing. He's clearly from the town in Footloose. Another reference. Listen, if it's not river dance, I don't want to even know me. I don't even mm. want to know. Wow. <laughs> P.T. Carroll went there. But uh, looking through the comment section and tweets, uh, I don't see much anything else. Are they crying about audio? Are they going, oh, what's wrong with P.T.'s hair? Oh, who are these guys? Oh, P.C., your hair looks beautiful. <laughs> I just want to meet them all. Just put them all in a room with me and just let me start swinging hammers at them, breaking legs. Yeah. Ask me questions now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, before PC gets too hot. Uh, well, I'm roasting. I'm pissing sweat, man. Pissing oh, sweat. Pissing uh, other ways <laughs> around, though, right? <laughs> so, PC, the floor is yours for your promos. You want to cut a vicious, oh, vile shit. promo on our commenters? Uh, no, I did that already. I want to talk to BT Sport. What are you doing charging us twice for this pay-per-view this weekend? I get that it's a big fight, but do you understand? Bellator are coming in. They're coming into your territory. They're trying to take your turf. You can't let them take your turf. And by putting this behind a pay-per-view wall at 3 o'clock in the morning, when there's not even like you know, there's not even big significant fights on in terms of the Ireland and the UK, what are you doing? Bellator, what if they go and take my advice and they put Brendan Lochnane, Artem Lobov, and Pedro Carvalho on this featherweight tournament? They are on Sky Sports. They are on the, the ESPN of, of the UK and Ireland. They're already winning. You can't be putting this stuff behind a paywall. You're chasing away the fan base. Watch yourselves. Be careful and don't let it happen again. That's all I have to say, Jose. Wow. I think that's the most terrified I've ever been of Pizza Carroll. You're vain. I was going to get topless for it, but I haven't waxed my chest. <laughs> oh, your veins were popping during that. Like your neck muscle was all stretched out and everything. Yeah, that was I'm ripped. Rough. I am ripped. There's no doubt about it. I'm absolutely ripped. <laughs> There's never been a ball in my mind. There. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know how to follow that up. But I'll say uh, Hori Mazudal's KO is the biggest, is the single biggest star-building moment I have ever seen since Nate Diaz submitted Conor McGregor. 
Uh, he went from going into that fight. He was obviously a very big name in the MMA world, or not not even a big name. He was a popular fighter in the MMA world, same as Nate Diaz. They were they had their similar fighting styles, and like like you said, I think you hit it perfectly. Like they're not worried about building their brand. That's just how they are, and mm. and fans gravitate towards that. I've said for a long time, and I know Danny Segura on our site when they announced Jorge Masvidal versus Nick Diaz. Remember that was a thing for a minute. He was real hyped on that, and I agreed with him. Uh, that's a fight I would love to see, just in terms of the buildup and the stylistic matchup. But he went from being a, a a fan favorite in MMA to being a superstar. I mean, if you yeah. look at the numbers on our site, he's blowing everything. Like, look at his post-fight press conference compared to John Jones and Amanda Nunes, who are champions and are people are calling the greatest of all time. And who has more views than him? Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, who has more fights than them. This dude fought next to Kimbo Slice in backyard, and now he's the biggest superstar on International Fight Week. That flying KO was the biggest single flying knee KO was the single biggest superstar building moment since Nate Diaz submitted Conor McGregor. And I I hope eventually those two tangle because I would love everything about it. Yeah, and and you know maybe if he get if he gets this win over Pettis, that might be perfect. I think whoever wins that will fight Connor. That's just mm. my opinion, though. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Connor is gonna his shadow is gonna loom over this Abu Dhabi event. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I, I think I know who'd win the rematch, you know, I think Khabib soundly beat him the first time. I, I don't really think there's much need for it, but I do feel as though that's a big money fight, you know, for the UFC for everyone involved. So I, I don't see why not. Well, we could talk about cyborgs and androids and clones. And we're going to start a different show called the Sci-Fi Hour with Jose and Pizzi, where you just educate me about these things. Yeah, bring them away. Do me a favor and don't forget your notepad next time. I expect notes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks, Gaffer. <laughs> and then, you can, and then you can uh, do the the lesson on professional wrestling because that's yeah. your that's your thing. That's I need some lessons on that stuff as well. I feel like I'm. I'm shunned, right? You just don't know this. The rest of the staff don't even talk to me because they don't like wrestling. They, hey, Petey, who won the main event of WrestleMania 5? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. They're like, get out of here. That's what happens. WrestleMania That's what happens super random WrestleMania to bring up, too. That's hilarious. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Becky Lynch. born when that happened. You Jesus know who Christ. Becky Lynch is. That's all she's you She's the SBG fighter, isn't she? Thanks <laughs> for John Kavanaugh. Yeah, she's the SVG fighter. That's really hilarious. But uh, anyway, we've gone a little over time, but I could talk to PC literally every second of the day and I would never get bored. And I feel like our audience, I feel like our audience feels the same way. So you know what? If they don't feel the same way, I don't give a shit. So (laughs) say all your little stupid shit in the comments. I'm not going to read them. I don't burden myself with this stuff. I just know how you are. So keep up the good work. Well, PT has a river dancing lesson to get to, so we're going to end it for now. But until next week at a normal time, I don't know who my co-host is. Maybe it'll be PT again. He seems to enjoy if it. If you are lucky. If you are lucky. <laughs> if you got, what did it, I you think better beg for it in the comments. Oh, no, I started to sound like McGregor. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say. Like, not, I think I heard beg for it in the comments. What the fuck's wrong with me? <laughs> oh my god we'll end it on there we'll see you next week normal time 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific all right see you guys more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.